Hello, we're back on track with our teaching programme from Ecclesiastes here on Search for Truth with your Bible teacher, Brian Johnston. We're between Christmas and New Year, but with a different family time than usual because of Covid restrictions. The question this series of studies asks is, does anyone know why we're here? Through our Bible studies with Brian, we're seeking to make sense of it all and find guidance from God's Word, the Bible. So where can we find positivity and meaning to life? Today's study takes us into the book of Ecclesiastes again to talk number five of this eight-part series. Uh, So here's Brian now with the title Nostalgia Ain't What It Used To Be. Here's Brian. Thanks, John. The kind of wisdom that doesn't start off by showing respect for God is a limited kind of wisdom and as a result is quite inadequate as a vehicle for discovering the full meaning of life. That, in short, is the message of the Bible book of Ecclesiastes. The Bible, God's library of 66 books, contains a section known as wisdom literature. The Bible book of Proverbs belongs to this. The Proverbs we find there are pithy statements of truth, fragments of distilled wisdom. The book we're studying, Ecclesiastes, is also found in this section, but it's a most unusual entry. Its design and purpose seems to be to show the limitation of mere human wisdom. We've now arrived at chapter 7, and it tries to weigh up what's better and what's worse in life. It's as if the professor has settled for what's better if he can't find true meaning Why not just work out the better way to get through life? The first question is, what's better, life or death? He says this, a good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. Better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living will take it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter for by a sad countenance the heart is made better. This chapter 7 of Ecclesiastes is a string of proverbs, but these are worldly proverbs, not like the ones found in the book of Proverbs. There's some common sense to them, so they're useful as far as they go, but they're also cynical, and some are rather gloomy. Here's an example. The day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. Notice what I say about them being gloomy. This one is actually quite morbid. But according to Spurgeon, the famous preacher, some of the old Romish monks always read their Bibles with a candle stuck in a skull. Perhaps this was to them a reminder of their mortality, of how we must all bring our days to an end as a tale that is told. Or more biblically, in the prayer of Moses, teach us to number our days, so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Death is said here to have some benefit, but only compared to our birth. The world-weary cynicism of the researcher simply oozes out of this. It's as if the writer has reflected on the bitter injustices of life and all of its frustrations and futility and concluded it's better off being dead than alive. There's nothing of biblical hope in this verse. It can't begin to compare with what we find the Apostle Paul writing in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21 when he says, 
for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What the Apostle Paul is saying is that having lived his life well in serving God, he had an assurance from the Holy Spirit that death would usher him into a sense of blessedness that far surpassed the best of what life down here had to offer. We should caution that this is a confidence that can only be enjoyed now by those who are believers in the Lord Jesus, whom Paul served. Our Bible professor's next question is, what's better, mourning or pleasure? Let's sample a little more from our Bible professor who shares with us his research in the book of Ecclesiastes. The mind of the wise is in the house of mourning, while the mind of fools is in the house of pleasure. It is better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man than for one to listen to the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorn bushes under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool, and this too is futility. For oppression makes a wise man mad, and a bribe corrupts the heart. In a similar vein to saying that death is better than birth, the professor now says mourning is more beneficial than pleasure. Gifted writers of the modern era have told us that sorrow is holy ground and that God whispers in our pleasures but shouts in our pain. And it certainly was meant to be a case of the louder is better for it brought an acknowledgement and appreciation of the God who is truly there and who longs to communicate with us. In a similar way, rebukes, if they're from a wise person, are better for us than songs, if they come from the lips of fools. This continues the theme of comparing things to assess which is better than the other, and this is how he continues, now asking, what's better, wisdom or folly? Further in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 we read, It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. For like the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This also is vanity. Surely oppression destroys a wise man's reason, and a bribe debases the heart. The end of a thing is better than its beginning. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. The skilful play on words gets rather lost in translation here, but one translator, Moffat, captures it well enough. He puts it like this, like nettles crackling under kettles. Thorns were a rapidly burning, easily extinguishable fuel in the ancient world. They make a great noise, a great blaze, and are extinguished in a few moments. Such indeed, comparatively, are the joys of life. They are noisy, flashy and transitory. And so now, in verses 8 and 10, we come to the lines that gave rise to the heading of this study, which I may remind you was, Nostalgia ain't what it used to be. This is verse 8. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Patience of spirit is better than haughtiness of spirit. Do not say, why is it that the former days were better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask about this. So here's the next issue. What's better, past or present? 
Do not say, Why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, and profitable to those who see the sun. For wisdom is a defence, as money is a defence. But the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. Solomon understood our tendency to romanticise the past and think it was better than our current time. He cautioned against it, for he's already declared that one age is very much like another. What has been, he said, is what will be, and there is nothing new under the sun. Wise people certainly learn from the past, but they live in the present with all its opportunities. Wisdom is good with an inheritance and profitable to those who see the sun. With the professor's premise, the best kind of life is found with wisdom and money. This wisdom, called also excellence of knowledge, gives whatever life can be had in an under-the-sun world. I have seen everything, he says, during my lifetime of futility. There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his wickedness. Behold, I have found only this, that God made men upright, but they have sought out many devices. So the Bible professor concludes that wisdom gives a better perspective on life, but realises that wisdom that doesn't start at the feet of the Lord is limited and insufficient to discover meaning. For him, life is meaningless. Remember the English bard, Shakespeare? And he said that life is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. That's the same sentiment. But we can conclude, as the professor concludes chapter 7, on a salutary but helpful note. In the last verse, we read that an understanding of the creation and the subsequent fall of humanity brings us closer to the best worldview we have. In creation, God made us upright, or having integrity, but we rebelled against his rule and have sought out many devices. This is truly the key to unlocking life's meaning. Yeah.
I hope you enjoyed today's study, and if you've any questions you'd like to ask Brian, then do please write in. As usual, these study talks are available to download online or as a transcript book. And here's how to obtain the book. Either you can get it yourself by downloading your copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media, or if you're not able to do that and need to request a hard copy book, just write in and ask for the title, Does Anyone Know Why We're Here? You can use email or the post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. So thank you for your company today and thank you for taking time out from your busy Christmas. Next week we'll be in the new year, God willing, so we give you our very best wishes that 2021 will be a better time for all of us. I look forward to you joining me again, but for now it's goodbye and very best wishes from our Bible teacher Brian, our producer David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon, and in the meantime, may God richly bless you. Let the Christmas